0: Hey, man, it's Kev. You like listening to this mod code nonsense? Well, how about come seeing it in person? That's right. We're hitting the road, and we're bringing a show to a theater near you, man. Uh, listen to here if we're coming to your town this February or March. Friday night, me and Jason Muse are going to Vancouver for Jane, and Silent Bob Get Old at the Rio. Tickets available at csmod.com, S-E-E-S-M-O-D.com. Saturday night. It's me by myself. Q&A, man. Evening with Kevin Smith in Seattle at the Neptune. Uh, February 27th, there's Babylon at the Improv with me and Ralph. uh, The Improv on Melrose. February 28th, there's an evening with Kevin Smith at the Ice House in Pasadena. And that'll wrap up February for the shows. Um, March 7th, there's an evening with Kevin Smith at the Improv on, on Melrose. First time I've ever done it there. Uh, March thirteenth, uh, we're back to our schedule of Babble at the Improv on Melrose. March fourteenth, there's going to be an evening with Kevin Smith and Jane and Simon. Bob get old in Tempe, Arizona at the Tempe Improv. So if you're in Arizona, get your ass to Tempe. Uh, March sixteenth. Evening with Kevin Smith at Wise Guys in West Valley, Utah. 7 and 9.30 shows. Uh, both shows uh, sold out on the 15th. We added another day on the 16th. Come check that out. Tickets available at csmod.com. March 22nd, man, I'm going to Canada, son. Halifax, I'm returning, man. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to do a QA. and a Evening with Kevin Smith uh, in Halifax at the Spats, man. There's a screening of uh, Tusk up front and early, and then, boom, we can sit around and and jaw, shoot the shit with Kevin Smith, if you will. Uh, Tickets available at csmod.com. March 27th, man, get old. Jay and Silent Bob, get old. At the Improv on Melrose. March 28th, edumacation at the Ice House in Pasadena with me and Andy McAlfish, man. That'll do it for your February and March shows. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the chit-chat action. It's another Smodco podcast. Geek news,
1: reviews, commentary, not just another podcast. I'm I'm the ordinary, Big Ball broadcast. broadcast. Insert random joke here. Now here comes your host, Kyle <laughs> Hebert, and all the world
0: Steve.
2: Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, episode 13, all the geeky news you can use with a couple of dorks here on the West Coast. I'm an anime and video game voice actor. My name is Kyle Hebert.
1: And your co-host on the East Coast, Otherworld world Steve, and I am a humanitarian. You are. What makes you a humanitarian, sir? I don't know, sugar, spice, and everything. No, 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 that's, that's wrong. <laughs> um, one thing I'm kind of surprised I haven't got called out for yet. And should you do choose to call me out, do it at our email address, thebigballbroadcast.gmail.com. at com. Kyle doesn't want to read the hate mail directed at me. Um, one thing I was surprised people hadn't caught on to and called me out for. If you look at my profile picture, on smodco um, i'm wearing a lovely t-shirt with a nice little symbol on it you can see a good portion of
2: yeah 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 our our page on smodcast.com click on smodco internet radio or the or the uh, podcast archives you'll see individual pages for each of the wonderful podcasts here on smodcast and uh if you click on our main page you'll see me doing the Kamehameha pose from Dragon Ball Z or a Hadoken from Street Fighter, and then you see Steve looking cool with his shades and his subversive,
1: subliminal advertising shirt. Steve with his everyday look. Um, but yes, my subversive advertising shirt, uh, kind of putting it out there to the world that, yeah, believe it or not, your co-host with the most here is actually a Freemason. I am part of that fraternity.
2: All right, so... Uh, you gonna do some uh, some MythBusters here? Freemasonry is not a cult.
1: <laughs> it's not a cult. Um, we don't secretly control the government or the world banks. Uh, how disappointing for me to find that out! Uh, don't drink goat's blood. Don't worship the devil. None of that. But you
2: do got you guys do do charitable works, a lot of uh, philanthropy and in, in
1: stuff. We legitimately do last year last october um uh, lodge <coughs> hosted the first first annual hopefully this is going to be so much bigger but we hosted the first annual non-perishable food drive our objective was to collect as much non-perishable food throughout the month of october so that um on the cusp of thanksgiving the food pantry would have plenty of food to distribute to families in need um what we're doing right now i was reading one of the the local area news things on Facebook, uh, social media can be a very powerful tool. And it was somebody from a school, from a public school, uh, local to my lodge talking about how the school didn't have a library. This is an elementary school service, uh, kindergarten through, through fifth grade. And I don't know, the more I thought about it over a few days, the, the more I just tore my heart out of my chest that these kids didn't have an opportunity to read non-curriculum books. I think it's it's vital for a kid's imagination, for well-being, just for overall education, to have access to different types of reading uh, literature that may appeal to them. So, long story short, what my lodge is doing is we are hosting a um, we are hosting a book drive to benefit this school, this one school in particular. And mm-hmm. if it takes off, we uh, may be making donations to other area schools as well. If you're curious, if you're interested, if you want to give it a look. And I just want to throw out there real quickly that as little as a dollar can buy a book. Um, we're, we're working with a reseller that accepts donations, and we've been purchasing a lot of books from there. The Lodge was purchased in, in a 48-hour period last Friday and Saturday. People were uh, very generous with their donations. We were able to purchase over 700 books for the school. But looking at a pile of 700 books – Seven hundred books a, a library. It does not make. So we want to kind of triple, maybe quadruple that amount uh, again. Because I'm rambling. If you're interested, if you want to throw a couple bucks this way, very good cause. One hundred percent of your contribution goes towards purchasing books for this library. You can go to Union Lodge Number Four and that's Union Lodge N O abbreviated number four uh, dot com. We'll post that on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Uh, just consider it think about it i'd appreciate it and yes i'd I'd love to do a future episode if you guys want to throw your questions out about freemasonry i'm i'm more than open to talking about it what i can talk about and uh because there are there are secrets absolutely but it's not a secret society kids it's a society with secrets ah
2: okay so like secret handshakes and such like the shocker and and the spocker and the rocker
1: there are what they call modes of recognition absolutely how uh When Mason can identify another Mason out on the street. That's true.
2: Interesting. Okay. And you've got a, uh, you've got a, you're rocking a beard, which also then the metal band Psycho Stick has a a excellent song called obey the beard, which is really hilarious. Um, (laughs) Do a lot of Masons
1: have beards? No. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a guy preference thing in my lodge in particular. I'm definitely in the minority. Certainly by the length of my beard, anyway.
2: All right. Now, the, the, the Shriners, is, is that the same thing with the uh, with the little hats?
1: It's what's called an appendant body. Every Shriner you see is a Mason. You have to be a Mason to become a Shriner. Um, but it, it's a, a side thing, a side group. Different uh, uh, objectives.
2: All right. Okay. So these guys are strictly out to help fellow man
1: there's a lot of uh dispute online about whether or not that is true and i can really only speak to my lodge uh, other lodges i think should be doing more my lodge should be doing more for our community we should be uh mentors uh positive role models where the original superheroes <laughs> that's the way i look at it yeah so, uh, yeah I, I think we should all be doing a bit more and, and uh with me spearheading this and i'm hoping this is just the beginning of of many many opportunities to come to help the underprivileged
2: that's right so let's help the children boys and girls help them give a donation so we can buy books for the library and make our future more literate so they don't just say you know internet speak and all that and no we're not going to buy them 50 shades of gray or private parts by howard stern although that is a great book in its own right
1: I was in a, a reseller the other day when we purchased the bulk of these books. And, uh, in the K through, through five section, the children's section was the entire Twilight Saga. And we just kind of had to turn a blind eye to that. I'm not going to turn these kids onto sparkling vampires. God forbid.
2: See, the Freemasons are doing good things. We're not going to expose tomorrow's future. The kids are going to grow up one day and wipe our asses in old folks homes to sparkling vampires. This is already a huge service.
1: I like that. The Freemasons truly aren't evil. They're, they're keeping Twilight away from the children.
2: Yeah. That, that is, uh, a very much a force of good. So I appreciate that gesture alone. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, this past weekend, I went to, uh, Victoria, British Columbia. I got to hand it to you Canadians out there, you Canucks, eh? What you're all about. You're really awesome because you're so friendly, eh? And, um, I don't mean to, to pick. I, I, am a voice actor. I have to do dialects. Uh, they're stereotypes for a reason. No, but, um, it really is a beautiful section of the, of the country. I had no idea it was an island. I learned that it was an island. It's like, I should really try to remember my geography. Um, apparently there was a ferry that, that you can take from Vancouver up there or even from, you know, uh, Seattle and all that. But I flew from Los Angeles to Vancouver and connected a little 20 minute ride on a little puddle jumper to get to, victoria which is uh this quaint little town beautiful harbor uh great scenery some some really ni- neat shops and holes in the walls and everything fantastic food my hand my handler for this uh uh little convention i'm gonna give a shout out to Suchino Con. um they were they were awesome one of my uh my handler uh for the weekend since i was a, a voiceover guest there uh he took me to a place where he works he's a chef and all organic, all fantastic stuff. I had, like, salmon scramble. It was amazing. And he got a discount, and, and the con paid for it anyway. So I'm just like, all right, this is great. And then my favorite thing was getting to see the exterior of uh, one of the uh, buildings they used for the X-Men movies for Xavier's school. Um, I forgot the name of the castle because I can't pronounce Canadian names to save my life. But um, people who follow me on Twitter and on my YouTube channel, Gohan Vox... Uh, can see my own little video blog, Kyle TV, where I record little things as I travel across the world and whatnot, little, little amusing things. I thought it was pretty cool to see that. And it's like, well, it's much smaller in person and you realize how much CG can enhance a shot and whatnot. Um, so that was, um, that was really cool. Robert J in our chat room says, did you meet a walrus? I don't know. Are walruses common in Victoria, BC? I saw a lot of whale watching tour, um, literature but um i don't know uh wildcard 74 is giving a shout out to victoria i don't know if uh, he or she is from that area or just a fellow canuck showing support for an awesome place doesn't matter but um the chat room that we're talking about here by the way is here every tuesday night as we uh live stream in audio form as we record our new episodes for the week we do it at 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific on Tuesdays, and then, of course, our show actually streams on Smodco Internet Radio on the Smodcast live stream Thursday nights at 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific, and repeats on Tuesday uh, afternoon, I think, at one 1.30 um, Pacific time. Ah, we got the ad somewhere. But anyway, good times. Uh, oh, it was Tusk Humor. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's giving out more shout-outs to Kevin Smith. We like that. That's cool. Uh, the thing I was, uh, also impressed with was the fact that this time of year in Victoria, BC, unlike the rest, it is not snowpocalypse. It's not like where it is with you, Steve. It is not like sub-zero temperatures. I only wore a hoodie and I was totally fine. It wasn't snow. It was, you know, it was overcast, but you know, at the most. And again, forgive me, Canadians, cause I don't know the fucking, um, metric system. We weren't raised with it. We're just lazy Americans. But it was as warm there during the day is as it's cold here in California at night in the 50s. So I was pretty cozy, actually. So thumbs up for that region for, for not being uh, blisteringly cold.
1: That sounds pretty cozy. I would bask in 50 all day long. <laughs> I could only wish it was 50. to To give you a sense of just how... Dire the situation has become here, and I say dire tongue-in-cheek, tongue in um, the mayor of Boston, who's relatively new to his post, uh, did an interview in the, uh, the Boston Herald today, and uh, this is reprinted over at the Washington Post – he had to make this appeal to people to stop jumping out of windows in Boston. Now, it's not something out of the stock market crash and people are really depressed because of the snow. It's what we do when we're incredibly bored out here with all the snow that we've had. And it becomes a kind of fun drinking game if if you live in an apartment or a tenement building to open up your second or f- third floor window and jump out into the snow. Um, it's it's. In my opinion, not all that dangerous. Boston right now this winter so far has been buried under 96 inches of snow. Um, that is not an exaggeration. It is literally on the cusp just mere inches away for breaking the all-time snow record up in uh, New England. It's been pretty ridiculous. Um, yesterday, the state called the National Guard. So on my ride home from work today, I, I saw quite a few National Guard personnel and vehicles trying to find some place to put all the snow. Uh, this morning, I woke up to our fifth snowstorm in four weeks with uh, a lot more snow predicted for this weekend. We are going a little stir-crazy, a little bit of cabin fever going on. Um, my kids have missed some school, and I've missed some work. And being home with the kids all day kind of make a man go a little mad.
2: <laughs> it's okay. You got your video games, right? You got your PS3,
1: PS4? That do not really last for long. If you can't... I hate to use this analogy, but with my kids in particular, you know, if you have a dog, once in a while you get to take it out for a walk and have it burn off some energy. Um, when you can't walk your kids, they just have energy. Even with all the video games and toys and action figures and Legos and, and whatever, um, you still got to throw them outside every once in a while.
2: <laughs> have you thought about maybe building a ball pit?
1: I've been thinking about. Um, starting up a, a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe to move my family over to maybe, uh, Oahu, maybe, <laughs> maybe someplace like that. Maybe Southern California where I was born. Um, I don't know. I, normally we can hack it very well here. This is just, uh, a, a very extreme anomaly and we're all fucking sick of it.
2: Yeah. Let's just launch that Kickstarter so we can just podcast
1: right from the beach. <laughs> that'd just be, that'd be killer. Live from downtown Los Angeles. Hey, that'd be great because we could go crash, uh, Kevin Smith's live podcast.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like this plan. This is good. This is good. So, um, last week we, t- we touched on a lot of things so much that we had some spillage, some leftover things. Um, one of them was something that I gathered that I wanted to talk about. We found this on the, the website IO nine. It's 10 catchphrases you swore you'd never use. And then you ended up using them. Um, so let's find out which ones you think Steve uh, are not on this list and, and think should have been. So uh, number 10, make it so. Of course, got Captain Picard. Number nine, we're not in Kansas anymore. Wizard of Oz love there. Number eight, spoon. I don't know anyone who's ever said spoon besides me. Because I've loved the tick ever since I was in college. Um, number seven. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. Apparently, that's a Wolverine thing. Number six. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yeah, brown coats in the house. Some Firefly love. Still trying to get otherworld Steve to watch that damn show. Number five. I know kung fu. Number four. You shall not pass. Number three. Live long and prosper. Number two. No, Luke. I am your father. And number one, drum roll. Worst drum roll ever. Hello. My name is Nico Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Pshh. There you go. Top 10 catchphrases people swore they never use and they end up using. Is there one or at least, at least one phrase that you thought might be in there and isn't?
1: There's probably tons on there that I thought should be on there that aren't. Um, I've always dug, from Empire Strikes Backs. Um, Yona's Do or Do Not, There Is No Try. I, I use that all the time with my kids. Um, the only one I use on the list, and, and I, admit I do use it pretty readily, is uh, We're Not in Kansas anymore. But I never swore I wouldn't use it. I've been using that for a long time. Um every Christmas uh, season around here, they, they play the wizard of Oz on cable TV. My grandmother and uh, the majority of her family are all from Kansas. So I grew up very immersed in, in Kansas culture. So yeah, that one I use the others. I don't never have. And I don't think I plan on it.
2: Man. Yeah. I don't have phrases. I swear I'd never use because I I've lived my whole life. Just being able to quote movies and my daughter has inherited that ability too, and then taking it up a notch she can actually hold a conversation and answer in movie quotes and appropriate that dialogue to the conversation so the context still works. That's impressive. It's, it's kind of useless, but it's still cool.
1: Now you brought up the brown coats. Um, I, I still haven't hopped over to Team Brown Coat yet. Um, ha- Toy Fair is going on right now. Did you see the line, the, the first series of, um, characters, the, the figure line that's coming out for
2: Firefly? Yeah, I did. For Firefly. Yeah, yeah, and the old me in the 90s and 2000s would have just been going crazy and uh, splooge um, because I used to collect action figures like crazy and then there came a certain point where it's just boxes and boxes of crap sitting there still in the packaging and I'm not doing anything with them because I don't have a house with fancy display cases and things like that and it just becomes too much clutter. I mean, maybe if I have have a house one day, and uh i can <laughs> uh, just have a wing dedicated to my man cave shit then yeah maybe i maybe i'd go back to it so the action figure thing doesn't catch my eye as much as it used to the, the younger me now i'm just old and bitter and i think well better late than never i'm mean, glad they're making them
1: some of them catch my eye but then i just I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by the price tags that some of these figures have nowadays. So it isn't like when I was growing up. I had the, uh, honor and privilege in the early nineties of working at a toy store and I worked in in male action. So it was my job to keep those shelves stocked with all the Spider-Man and X-Men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, figures. Um, I was working retail in in the toy store when power Rangers hit really big, the first wave of power Rangers. And I remember sneaking a few off into the back and, and, purchasing those at my employee discount and then getting, 500% 500% my return on investment Christmas Eve when people were literally standing on a street corners saying, I promised my kids Power Rangers for Christmas and I couldn't buy them. And I'd say, well, I have this lot here, hundred bucks each. And,
2: You'd yeah. sit on a street corner and look for desperate parents?
1: No, I'd drive around and look for desperate parents standing on street corners.
2: <laughs> people would actually do that. They'd have signs saying, I need a Tickle Me Elmo.
1: Absolutely. Um, In the early '90s, absolutely. Um, I saw maybe four or five parents outside just trying to get their hands on these figures. And oh, sure, you know, if you want to give me a hundred bucks a pop for the lot of four, eh, you know, that's your business, not mine.
2: Yeah, I remember. I was I used to be a DJ for Radio Disney, and we would give away whatever was popular with kids. And then Beanie Babies, the big Beanie Baby craze. And what happened when we started giving away Beanie Babies? is that parents would call in trying to win it for themselves. You'd get a lot of prize pigs. The same people calling in over and over again. It's like, am I caller number 13? Like, yes, uh, you're caller 13. You just won uh, two hours ago. You can't do that anymore. (laughs) Like, oh, the limited edition princess, uh, die, beanie baby, and all that crap.
1: That was a fun time. That was the speculator market. Everybody wanted everything that was even remotely hot because everybody assigned some collectability to it. And uh, you know these Beanie Babies, you could probably buy for pennies on the dollar on eBay. I have a shitload of them upstairs. A lot of those uh, we didn't purchase; they were given to us for gifts for different occasions. But you know Cabbage Patch too. That that market just completely faded away
2: do you ever just go on ebay just to kind of see i mean now price guides are not necessarily a thing of the past they're just harder to come by um you just go by say all right what's the going rate on this one figurine or this one doll or this one plushie or one collectible and you look it up and you you sometimes say to yourself okay this is this is obviously a scam this is ludicrous there's no way anyone would pay a thousand dollars for this little thing
1: well you know let me say this um I, I, love price guides. I lived and died by price guides. I, I was, uh, very hardcore with, with Wizard Magazine for a number of years. And, uh, every year you had the big, uh, Bible price guide that came out. I like things like eBay a lot better because what that's telling me is what the supply and demand is almost in real time. What are people willing to pay? The, the price guides were really speculative. I don't want a speculation. I don't, I don't want a, a ballpark of what something it might be worth. I like going to eBay and saying, oh, that's, Pretty much the going value in that condition. Absolutely, um, I do from time to time. I, I, I have some collectibles left, and I'll, I'll pop on eBay and see what they're worth. And then I cry myself to sleep because none of it's worth anything near what I paid for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, or or maybe you have something that's worth something, but you know because it's been played with, it's not in the original packaging, or it's it's not mint. Uh, then suddenly it's just, well, okay, it's worth 25 cents. But if it were in perfect shape, it'd be worth a million dollars. You could put your kids through college.
1: Wildcard74 wild in the chat says, EB is the worst place to go for finding out, quote, going rates for anything because they can ask for whatever they want. Absolutely. They can ask whatever they want. Um, what I'm talking about more specifically is what they're actually going for. Um, yeah, I, I can go and look for an amazing Spider-Man number one and somebody can ask $2 million for it. it doesn't mean that the book's worth that much. If I see it going for $150,000, then, yeah, if I have a cop a copy of that, then I can assume that's around the ballpark what I would get for it. So not not what the people are asking, what they're actually selling these things for. That's what I'm keeping my eye on.
2: Yeah, I remember when I went to Comic-Con last year, they had this auction house display all these classic comics. I mean, you had, you know, things of that ilk, like a Spidey number 1, Amazing Fantasy, or or the early Detective Comics and, and whatnot. And it's like, actually, to see it, yeah, it's behind glass, of course, and perfectly preserved, this, that, and the other. It's cool to see... Someone out there has the money willing to pay for it, but, um, not this guy. I don't know how many people get lucky just going to like thrift shops because there's people that do give away things or they, they sell things at a massive discount and they end up in thrift shops. I had to do this massive purge recently when I just, I just decided I have too much crap in my apartment. So I took a ton of like, Episode one and two or three figures, because they're not worth shit, really. I'm not going to sit here and try and price each one, even if they were, oh, a quarter a piece or something, then I might be able to get a little something, because there are a, a shit ton of them. But I decided, okay, all right, one man's trash is another man's fortune. You, you hear the stories all the time about, oh, I uh, bought this watch at a thrift store for five bucks, and I made $500 off of it or something. I don't know. Uh, I've never found a treasure at a thrift shop, though.
1: Very recently, a very close friend of mine was at a house that belonged to his, um, friends of his parents. And they were, they were moving to Florida. So they had packed up what they were going to take and kind of had some odds and ends and boxes on the porch. And they said, yeah, you know, anything you see in there, just feel comfortable to, to take it. You know, that's, that stuff we're not taking and we're going to probably give it to Goodwill or whatever. And he rubbished through the box and sent me some pictures of a very interesting watch. And come to find out, it was a, uh, very beautiful rolex so you know i i guess things do come up from time to time not that there's a lot of uh monetary value on it but what my wife has found recently that has blown my mind is she's gone into a couple of thrift shops and bought some books for our kids and i've later discovered that they're signed and dedicated by the author inside the cover and i thought that was pretty amazing again not something you're going to put on ebay and get rich from I just look at it, and I'm kind of like in all like, wow, the the author actually handled this book. That's pretty cool in my book. Uh, I said book twice.
2: Yay, books. And now that everything's moving to the e-world and digital downloads and all that, you can't really sell anything. That becomes the conundrum, I suppose.
1: Well, you know, in terms of what you were saying about some of these high-profile uh, golden age and early silver age books, those are more... Uh, it's like buying stocks and bonds, you know, when you when you have a collection like that. There's no real speculator market with that. We know these books are rare and precious and they're just increasing in value every year. I never thought I'd live to see a million dollar comic book and now we've seen books go for, you know, three point two million dollars with the the first appearance of Superman in action comics. Um so yeah, if I had the money, if, if I was able to invest like that, I'd probably invest in comic books before something like gold or real estate because we keep seeing that that sharp increase in their value and I don't see that going away anytime soon. They, they become more and more scarce, especially in some of the pristine condition that very few of these books are left in. Wouldn't that
2: be wild if there was like some horrible event where, like, like an EMP or something, some terrorist does a electromagnetic pulse and then all the electricity goes off and we ju- we're just thrown back into the dark ages like that show revolution or whatever. And then Everyone, you know, you think, oh, yeah, I have gold to trade. And no one's like, no, no, fuck that, man. I got Superman number one. I'm going to get, I'm going to feed my family for a year. Here you go. Superman number one. And first appearance of Batman. I'm going to Tahiti. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to get there because planes don't work anymore. But, yeah, you could just swim, I suppose. <laughs> Um, if,
1: if you really want to read the content, you know, there, there's trades and reprints and, and stuff online. And so nobody's buying an action comics number one to actually open that thing up.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, just out of sheer curiosity and the fact that it was free on Comixology, they had one of the early first appearances of Batman. I downloaded it. In fact, I turned it into a panel. When I go to some conventions as a guest, I'll, I'll turn it into a radio play where I'll just hook the iPad up to a projector so that everyone can watch the panel's performed radio play style with the actors on stage, and I'll transcribe each panel into script form and hand out the scripts to the actors. I'm sure you guys listening have probably seen, like, cartoon voice actors do that sort of thing at Comic-Con and whatnot, so people do that on the anime convention scene, too, and it's a lot of fun taking found scripts and public domain stuff, not that Batman is, but, you know, and just reinterpreting of that, and, and, and like, what they do on... Uh, hollywood babylon comic-con theater with ralph and kevin they'll take um kevin smith's comic books and perform them like radio play and and ralph will do all the voices and whatnot and one of the babylon comic-con theaters i was in the audience and they pulled me up on stage and i got to perform as alfred uh in in um cacophony which is uh one of kevin's batman comics and that was like i was geeking out pretty hardcore
1: that was pretty awesome i remember that that's badass
2: Good times, good times. All right, well, uh, what else is going on in this geeky world?
1: I'll throw out a, a random little thing here, a random bit of trivia for the, the younger listeners, and maybe even some trivia for you, the, the more seasoned uh, of us. Um, I was watching this wonderful movie-slash-documentary. I don't know if you've had a chance to check any of these out. This guy did um, all three of the original Star Wars films, and he intercuts them with documentary footage and interviews with the cast and crew and it makes it an, an entirely different watching experience he recently did um Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's called Raiders of the Lost Ark a Filmumentary and it's by uh Jamie Benning it's over on uh, Vimeo right now if you want to check it out but what I found was really interesting was in Raiders of the Lost Ark everybody remembers the adorable little monkey that dies from date poisoning and not like date rape, but the actual <laughs> dates. So
2: It's clear to make that distinction. Of course not date rape uh,
1: that, that monkey in that film, um, what you're hearing in the audio track aren't sounds made by the monkey. They're actually done by a professional voice actor mimicking the sounds of what this actor or the director felt a monkey should sound like. And, um, as discussed in this film inventory, it's the, the, uh, ever popular God in the VA industry, Mr. Frank Welker. Now, what I knew from watching uh, PBS with my kids is Frank Welker also voices Curious George. So, you know, talk about uh, banking on on monkey business. Yeah.
2: So yeah. Yeah. And Freddy and Scooby-Doo and Megatron and Transformers. This dude is a living legend. I've had the pleasure of meeting him like once in passing When I go to a studio, there'll be a lobby because there's multiple studios there, right? I'm there to record like an anime dub. And meanwhile, other actors come in to record cartoons. And I'm like, I'm so jealous. I want to do this. And then there was Frank Welker and Peter Collins, like the, the one, two punch right there. You got Optimus and Megatron in the room. And I'm like, wow, I'm lucky. I don't have to stand in line to meet them to get the autographs or anything. I could just shake their hand and say, hi, I do what you do, but definitely not on your level. And uh, I got to say, they were, they were super, super cool people. And, what an honor to meet those and man oh man I had that happen uh today where I was just had the complete voice actor envy because I went in to record yet again on an anime dub but um other voice actors were gathered together to record on the studio across the hallway to record on a big project that I obviously can't talk about it I can't say it but I would kill to be on. It's like, th- this happens all the time. It's like, man, that, that kudos that you got to be on it. But man, I want to be on it. I want to be in that room recording. Cause cartoon people get to record all together at the same time. Radio play style. Um, Sean Schemmel, the voice of Goku did get to record with Frank Welker, uh, this past year. And he said, he just broke down in tears over it because it's like that. That's part of his childhood, right? there. That's part of a lot of ours. Childhood, uh, getting to, to see that up front. And, and, you know, um, Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime, Eeyore, He's also the Predator clicking sounds in the, in the Predator films. So it's like, cinematically, these voice actors aren't quite as known as as, as much as their cartoon work. But it is pretty interesting. And in that those filmumentaries that Jamie Benning's put out, yeah, they're they're really really something. Are the Star Wars ones still online, or did they get pulled?
1: I think they got pulled from YouTube and reposted on, on Vimeo. Uh, those are awesome those are wonderful and you know i'm not the biggest fan of jedi but i sat through that probably twice i think just to take in all this uh extra knowledge. I love that. Like I said, you know, if, if I go out and buy a a DVD or Blu-ray, chances are I've already seen the film. So when I have it at home, the first thing I do is I watch the making of, I'm always so intrigued by the making of these films. I find them as enjoyable, if not more enjoyable than the features themselves. So if you haven't seen them yet, kids, you got to check them out. Especially if you're a star Wars or, or Raiders fan, incredible, incredible stuff.
2: I think he was trying to, uh, get funds to do a back to the future one too. I don't know if there's any progress on
1: that. You know, that would be incredible. <laughs> the, the, the care he's taken with these other properties, I I'm already salivating with the thought of that coming out.
2: The dude is just like this. <laughs> this is, this is the, the YouTube frontier, the Vimeo frontier, the 21st century of, of online user generated content in a way. Now he's taken, yes, he's taking found things that are copywritten, but he's putting out in in, in new and interesting ways. It's like, Hey studios, you should hire these people to be your your archivists, your uh, your documentarians, and whatnot. I mean, that's it, it's such a cool thing, and, and such a labor of love to, to 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 you know scour the earth to try and find film prints and archival stuff and and things that haven't seen the light of day and have only been seen maybe in some bootleg VHS form, you know, third or fourth generation, all hazy, fuzzy and, and snowy. I'm sure there's a good decent copy of the Star Wars holiday special somewhere. I I'm, I'm not that I really care that much about it, but someone has a decent copy somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's sitting at Lucasfilm archives. Never to see the land of
2: day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what he's saying. It's like you guys, you know, you turned me down for my draft of episode seven, so just for that I'm holding on to this. And then Disney's like, all right, we're we're going to put out your original trilogy un unaltered. Un, un so there.
1: I think the holiday special will come out about the same time Song of the South comes out.
2: Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Man, um I was uh perusing the social media feeds and found this uh to be interesting. So actor Daniel Cudmore not uh, an everyday name, but you probably have seen his work. He has portrayed Colossus in the X-Men film since the second X-Men movie. But he uh, recently tweeted this week that he will not be returning uh, in the new upcoming live action Deadpool movie. Um, it's unclear if the split is due to money or just the studio wanting to go in a different direction. Now, what I noticed about it, I mean, I'm sorry for any actor not getting recast or, or being recast and you know, losing the role to someone else especially for continuity's sake. It's like, but what I remember, no offense to the actor, is that Colossus didn't really speak. So I'm not sure that recasting him is really going to matter that, that
1: much. I, I've seen Days of Future Past. I've seen parts of it kind of at work where I've been in, in a distracted state, uh, but previous to which we never really saw a lot to Colossus to begin with. Now, I don't really follow Deadpool. I'm kind of curious as to why Colossus of, of all the X characters and it's a, a studio shared property. So you could have other mutants in the Deadpool movie. So I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys feel? You should tweet at us at BB broadcast, or if you're shy of social media, you can always drop us an email to the big ball broadcast at com. Um, yeah, Sigmund88 in our chat, is, is this really Cudmore's fault, though? It's like, well, nothing's anyone's fault. I mean, they brought the guy back for continuity's sake for multiple X-Men films. But, yeah, we are in this this strange, you know, uh, different studios owning different things. I guess Deadpool it wasn't ever owned by Sony or Fox or any of that, or are they?
1: I It's one or the other, I believe. It's not Disney.
2: Yeah, and even if it was Disney... It would shock me if under the Disney banner that they would actually allow a hardcore R-rated balls-to-the-wall Deadpool film. It just doesn't seem like that would be part of their plan.
1: I mean, you know, we've been making that joke for decades. Disney is kind of the uh, Nintendo of the filmmaking world. They want to keep it as inoffensive and, and open to as big of an audience as possible. And at the end of the day, can you really blame them? I mean, that's their objective. You want ticket sales. You don't want niche audiences.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, you could revisit Punisher and make it rated R. A lot of people like the Thomas Jane take and all that. Um, but if you look at the money generated from all these new Marvel cinematic movies, yeah, why, you know, don't fix it. It ain't broke. This, this, I mean, it's just edgy enough. You can push that PG 13 envelope and it's, and it's fine.
1: Is there's, there's breakdowns you can find online about, what a studio can expect to take on certain opening weekends with certain ratings, you know, what, what's a G going to do? What's a PG going to do? What's a PG 13 going to do? And sometimes even just bumping it up to PG 13 is enough to start shaving some of that profit off your margin. So uh, a studio like Disney, they're, they're going to stay in that G PG uh, ball field. And shit, it's a good idea to, to make a lot of movies rated right G because that, Fan base that those children you're catering to, you need an adult to take them. So it's like you're doubling your ticket sales by proxy.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, what's the scoop on this uh, Disney Cruise Line trying to uh, inject some Star Wars love into that?
1: You know, I was gonna say, speaking of niche things. Um, starting next year, Disney Cruise Lines is launching Star Wars Day at Sea, and it's making the first official appearance of the heroes and villains of the Star Wars-verse aboard the Disney Cruise Line. They're going to have Star Wars-related activities, including Jedi Training Academy, meet-and-greets, a nightclub that will make club-goers feel like they've stepped into the Moss Eisley Cantina, Moss Eisley Cantina, <laughs> and, uh, they're going to have screenings of the films as well as Star Wars Rebels. Now, speaking of it being niche, the event is only available aboard the Disney Fantasy Cruise Ship on the Western Caribbean sailings and on select dates in January through April of 2016.
2: They need oh. to sail during hurricane season only so they can recreate Camino, right, from episode two.
1: Oh, my goodness. And then get stranded and recreate all the scenes on Tatooine. Um. <laughs> exactly. I'm not a cruise person, never been on a cruise. I have no interest in going on a cruise. It seems every time I turn on the news, there's just horror stories about cruise ships with, you know, thousands of people getting sick or crashing or sinking. Um, I, I, even though they're gigantic, I mean, they're floating cities. I'd feel a little, I'd feel a little claustrophobic being surrounded by ocean the entire time. What's yeah. your take? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Been on well- a cruise? any interest?
2: I do, have, it's one of those bucket list things. I've never done it. I, although, yeah, I'm turned off by all the negative press it gets. And of course, in this day and age, I don't think a Titanic type disaster could happen because, you know, we have internet, social media, people can reach out and communicate and, and, and there's fail safes in, in place and whatnot. But yeah, you have all the food poisoning. All the capsizing. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going to blow that kind of money. It's like you could blow two or $3,000 for this wonderful cruise, this luxurious cruise. And I'm thinking, or I could just buy a really kick-ass 4K TV.
1: Right? You'd probably enjoy that a lot longer.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of replay value in that, you know. When you're out, well, I don't know if you guys out there, has anyone listening to the show ever been on a cruise and you're thinking, okay, this is nice, and by day two, day three, you're like, all right, I need to get on land. I'm, I'm getting sick. This is. I'm sick. I have got cabin fever. Literally, I'm stuck in my cabin. There's nothing to do. And they try to put all the accoutrements. It was like, oh, yeah, you're like in Vegas. So you got all the Wi-Fi you need. And you got a casino. And you got all these buffets and all that. you're full of, you know, food poisoning. (laughs) Like, here, have some Ebola. Another serving of it. Oh, it's so fantastic. Oh, thank you. And then, yeah. And then it crashes into a rock. And then suddenly, it's on the Huff Post.
1: Exactly. Um, as I stated at the beginning of the show, I'm living on the edge, just, you know, being in my home state. So <laughs> I don't need to go out on a ship and, and press my luck.
2: Yeah. I mean, you remember years ago I was talking with, um, another voice actor who said, it's like, it would be cool to have like voice acting workshops on a, or an anime convention or a pop culture convention on a cruise ship. And I'm like, yeah, that would be pretty badass. I don't think your average fan can afford that. I know bands do that like Kiss has a Kiss cruise all the time and of course Disney Cruise Lines does well on its own. They don't have to throw the Star Wars brand into it to to sell out. They already appeal to the at least the upper middle class to the to the rich folks who can, you know, handle that all all that sort of partying and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of interesting to me, but it's not the first thing I would jump at if I had that kind of cash. I mean, I'd, I'd honestly rather tour somewhere in Europe or, or just, you know, go sightseeing somewhere pretty instead of just being stuck on a boat.
1: But who knows? I remember that. I, rem- I remember who proposed that. And, uh, I thought it was going to happen and I, I can't say I was disappointed. It didn't happen. I'm Disappointing for this person who, who was arranging that, but, uh, Yeah, why not just have a a three-day weekend in Vegas or something? I'd probably be more inclined to check that out than do it at sea. Dude,
2: you do anything in Vegas. I mean, (laughs) there's people, including myself, that have been voice actor guests at conventions in Vegas. And we're like, we're there because it's Vegas. You know, the convention be like, there's more actors than attendees. And then we do our panels. And then we're like, all right, I'm going to the strip. Have fun. Woo! Coke and hookers. Whoa. <laughs> Coke and hookers. Exactly. Send your Coke and hookers to at BB broadcast or the big ball broadcast at gmail.com or not. doesn't really matter.
1: It's a okay. Facebook page too.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I'm looking at a calendar, boys and girls, looking at this calendar of all sorts of shit that geeks should probably start filling their Blu-ray collections with. If you are so inclined, there's some people out there that like just streaming and downloads and, using services like Ultraviolet and and whatnot. And, and uh, I think Voodoo is another one of those. But uh, I like having actual things to put on the shelf. I'm a Blu-ray guy. Uh, some of these titles I won't be picking up, but I know that some of our listeners probably will be, such as Big Hero 6. It's been available for weeks digitally. The actual hard copy on Blu-ray drops on February 24th. Uh, this one I'm not going to buy, although I am curious to watch. Zardoz. It's from the early seventies. Sean Connery. It's a cult classic. It's a science fiction apocalyptic movie. Where he's dressed in an outfit that has yet to be seen to be believed, actually. He's got a, he's rocking this ponytail and an epic porn stash. That alone should make you want to see it. Um, if you're into the Hunger Games, Mocking J part one drops on March 6th. Legend of Korra book four. Um, if you love the John Hughes classic films, Breakfast Club is celebrating its 30th anniversary edition. I just checked it out on the big screen here in, in Los Angeles at uh, Quentin Tarantino's Cinema, New Beverly. It was great to see it on film, even though it's kind of a scratchy print. I never saw it in the theater in 1984 when it came out. I saw it millions of times on cable, though. And that movie still holds up. Um to
1: ask, does this still hold up? Because... I can't imagine the, this group being together in the same room under tension and interacting with each other. Not not in today's day and age.
2: Yeah, today's Breakfast Club—they wouldn't be talking to another. They'd all just be looking on their phones the whole time, and <laughs> it'd be a totally different thing. But I—I I think the the concepts of of alienation and not fitting in. I think I think he wrote it really really well. Um. And then uh, here's another title that I won't be picking up, but someone out there cares because the movies did well enough. Ha- the Hobbits, Battle of the Five Armies. This is not the director's cut. This is the first one. So remember, they double dip, folks. March 24th, you can pick that up. Or March 31st, Gravity, which is already out. They're double dipping for something called the Diamond Lux Edition. This features uh, a feature where you can uh, watch the movie music-free. To experience gravity with Sandra Bullock and experience the film in the silence of space. I guess that's an interesting experiment. I'm not sure that makes me want to rebuy the movie, but, um, okay. Chris Nolan's Interstellar, uh, very controversial and convoluted and all that fun stuff. It's like, and you can recreate all those awesome sound mix issues at home. It's like, wait a minute. Why is the music so loud that we can't hear them talking during this, this crucial, exciting action fact moment? Well, Chris Nolan will tell you that that was intentional, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Interstellar was very pretty and uh, very enjoyable, although a little overly long. Um, and then uh, April 14th brings the new animated film, Batman versus Robin. I'm sure that's based on a comic book that I, I haven't read and probably have no interesting. I'm backlogged on DC direct to, uh, video movies. I still have to watch the Dark Knight Returns part two. I still have to watch the one with with Damien, son of Batman. Um,
1: and that's what this is. This is the continuation of Senate Batman where Damien is Robin. So it's basically Damien versus Batman. I saw Senate Batman. I thought it was pretty badass. And uh, I would actually have to kind of nudge you in the direction of checking this one out.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Sigmund 88 in our chat says, uh, by the way, Kyle and Steve, have either of you watched Lord of the Rings director's cuts back to back? I have watched some of the original Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, uh, some of those extended cuts. Yeah. It, I, I wouldn't do it in the theater because it's too damn long as it is um but having the complete thing uh i like having both versions i forgot if the extended version has the theatrical on there or not probably not because hey it's double dipped for a reason right they're doing that with days of uh future past this year and they and they did warn that they were going to do that they're going to stick ellen page back in or i'm sorry uh not her, not her. Uh, the blah blah blah. Marie, what's her name with the with the little white hair strand? She was in the Rogue. first X Men movie. Rogue, Rogue, yes. There's a scene with Rogue that totally got cut from the theatrical cut. That's going to be put back in, and some other things. Send probably a, a shit ton of extra features. But I love Days of Future Past so much, I went ahead and bought the current version. That's kind um, of
1: a bullshit double dip.
2: <laughs> it's a bullshit double dip. Yeah, I know. Like this gravity thing, man. It's just a feature. It's just like three new exclusive features. It's not a longer cut of the movie. It's not anything different. It's like, well, okay, thanks, I guess. Uh, the Breakfast Club, though, that one has like a, 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 a trivia track, like the, the pop-up video thing that VH1 used to do. Um, I like that sort of thing, too, even if it's not a full commentary. But they do have a new commentary track, Anthony Michael Hall, and I think Judd Nelson. Um, talk about that. And I'm sure they probably cover it's like, well, how, how is this, uh, still relevant in today's society? Cause I, I watched the film Breakfast Club first on Netflix with my daughter and she fell in love with it. And I showed her Ferris Bueller's day off 16 candles and it, and she loves those films and she is a high schooler. So, I mean, that, that tells you right there. It's like you just need to find out if they're just going to roll their eyes and tune out and play on their phones while they're watching it or they're going to get sucked in. And she was she was just mesmerized the whole time with these movies, whether it was the comedic moments or the serious
1: moments. I will pick a Big Hero 6 release day. Um, I couldn't even drag my kids to the theater to see it. I thought two young boys would be ecstatic to go to the theater and, and check this out on the big screen. And I, w- I think I was more disappointed because I didn't get to see it. So uh, I will pick it up, and I will sit those fuckers down, and I will make them watch it. Um,
2: That's right. Set those fuckers down. Set those it.
1: fuckers down. <laughs> and,
2: hey, are you? do you have a 3D TV or no? I guess you can save a little money on that, too. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you saved your, you know, all twenty bucks ahead, right? Because a three D IMAX movie.
1: Uh, you know, I'll I'll spring this time. I'll I'll get the Blu Ray. I have a PS three. I do have one HD TV, so I'll watch it through the PS three. Um, but I'm excited to see. I saw a little bit at work. I saw the opening, and I was sold on the opening. I I, I like that. Had uh, a lot of appeal. I I'll just leave it at that. So. I Plan on checking it out. I do need to put in my two cents about the world, Lord of the Rings. I have a coworker who brought in um, the Hobbit trilogy, and oh my god, it's fucking boring. Um, at Otherworld Steve on on uh, Twitter, so Kyle doesn't have to read your hate mail. Um, <laughs> no,
2: you can go ahead and tag me in it, man. I want to read the hate mail. I don't I, think you're going to find too many people that will disagree with
1: you. I didn't it, see the just- films because it looks boring in the trailer. If it's your thing, more power to you, you know, uh, you, Kyle, said something years ago that's always stayed with me. You know, that's what being a geek's about. It's, it's about your thing. Your thing doesn't have to be everybody else's thing. So I'm not going to bash anybody who's into it. But for me personally, holy fuck. I mean, it's, it's like taking a handful of Valium and chasing it down with a pint of vodka. It's just instant coma for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I had no interest in seeing it because the book put me to sleep as a kid. And, you know, it just, just, it totally pissed me off when the studio said, okay, well, we're going to make this into two films. No, 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 we're going to make it into a trilogy. Ah, no, I'm good without it. I'm okay. Yeah, it's some nice eye candy. Yeah, Peter Jackson's okay with action scenes and whatnot. I don't know. I just want him to move on to other things.
1: I have more adventures driving to the store to get cigarettes.
2: <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd pay for that. <laughs> in 48 frames per second, Steve going through Planet Hoth, a.k.a. the Boston area, in snowpocalypse to find smokes and coffee.
1: You know, that that would be my next video. I, I was true to my word. I said if we get more snow, I, I'll actually break my my photo and video band. Uh, the music it was totally unintentional. That was actually what I was listening to at the time, so... I didn't do that in post.
2: Yeah, a lot of you guys who aren't already following Otherworld Steve on, on social media, he did do a, a video clip, and he was cranking up System of a Down, which is actually both of our one of our favorite bands. Love those guys.
1: You know, if we get snow this weekend, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'll, I'll film a little adventure, and we'll post it on the BBB, Twitter, and Facebook.
2: As long as it has that System of a Down soundtrack, right? Because God forbid you actually show your face and talk, right?
1: Oh, that's not going to happen. Uh, my taste in music, however, is a little eclectic. If there's enough coke and hookers, maybe you'll see my face or some other body parts.
2: That's right. Once again, send your coke and hookers to at BB Broadcast on Twitter and the Big Ball Broadcast on Gmail dot com. Say to yourself, hey, Kyle, what the fuck, man? How am I? Go- how am I supposed to mail an actual hooker and coke through the U.S. postal system? That's your own problem. I'm sure yeah. you can find a way.
1: We're just on the receiving end. We're not responsible for the shipping and handling.
2: That's right. And if it's illegal and it's ticking when we shake the, the, the package, then we're just gonna run and everyone's on their own because that's that's how we roll.
1: Roll in, roll in, roll in. <laughs> Keep that coconut <laughs> rolling. Speaking of, who you been rolling tonight? Um, I switched over a while ago to a glass pipe. Um I've I've been partaking of the pipe throughout Um, I I like muting in between segments. People don't hear the flick of the lighter.
2: Oh man. You you need to have that. Do you not know who our audience is?
1: All right. You ready? I I just picked it up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's some, that's some awesome Foley, man. That was like an HD THX surround sound.
1: THC surround sound
2: THC man man my ears are high
1: now Uh, I overdid it for the sake of audio drama that was a big hit (laughs) that hurts (coughs) (laughs)
2: well now that you've uh, ingested all of that THC you can give us our final scoop of the evening about uh, Assassin's Creed
1: now that my eyes are watery and out of focus absolutely Kyle
2: yeah open up that tab and look at that big blur in front of your screen
1: Okay, uh, we have an official announcement that the video game movie adaptation will be released December 21st, 2016. Um, what I found interesting is that Ubisoft, the developer, is co-producing the film with New Regency. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's probably because you were a fan of 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, and Gone Girl. Um, shooting in all kind of various locations, kind of a la Raiders of the Lost Ark, and, uh, I guess this is going to be kind of uh, like the original outing, and if it becomes very successful, maybe we'll see some of the later iterations. I'm kind of curious to see the pirate version one. I thought that was pretty badass.
2: Yeah. So so far we've got um, we've got Michael Fassbender, who we know from the new X Men films, as uh, in the uh, lead role. I forget who they're actually doing the movie based on because there's multiple characters in the in the game series, which I haven't played any of. And then uh, Marion Cotillard is the female lead who they've cast as well. Um, um, I'm, I'm interested to see if they can make a good video game movie. They haven't really done it yet.
1: No, they haven't done it yet. We talked last episode about how Nintendo is very skittish of any of their properties getting out on the smaller big screen as a result. But um, this is from Ars Technica, and they're saying the actual po- uh, plot details are still unconfirmed, other than being a loose adaptation of the first game in the franchise. The only really frightening thing for this, and I think it kind of makes it unfair to make that video game movie comparison, is it's being released one week after the first Star Wars spinoff movie. So if that spin-off movie is successful and it's storming the box office, this might kind of fade into obscurity. So I don't know if it'll necessarily get a fair shake.
2: I really wonder how that, that whole process works. You know, who claims release date Windows first and you know how did the other studios counter program to that do you remember what opened uh what was it Notting hill that opened the same weekend as phantom menace and it it did okay because not everyone was into star wars
1: no but you know recently we had some fun talking about uh dc rescheduling their entire movie slate because of the way marvel was uh, jockeying into position so there's certainly that impact. I think the big studios have uh, some say. I don't know if a little studio like New Regency has that kind of power and if if uh, the company said, well, this is what we have open, so it's going to be this weekend or, or that midweek release schedule. Um, honestly, I don't know. If, if people in the chat or people listening know, inform us. If you're in the biz, even better. We'll have you on as a guest and we can talk about this for a whole hour.
2: Sure. Um, I was looking on this Forbes.com article, so while they were talking about Assassin's Creed, they also mentioned another game movie in development, World of Warcraft, simply called Warcraft. Um, And they've got uh, maybe some lesser-known talent lined up for the cast, but uh, something that's pointed out as a huge plus is their director, Duncan Jones, who did Source Code, really cool uh, flick with Jake Gyllenhaal and Moon, um, and... I think that has a little more promise, honestly. Even though I'm not a Warcraft player, I've done some voice work in there. Um, Algalon the Observer in uh, the Lich King uh, expansion, and then some uh, some Ogre Pirates on the most recent one that came out. But um, my eyes are, are a little more interested in what the Warcraft film has to offer.
1: Wasn't there buzz years ago about Peter Jackson bringing it to the big screen, or?
2: Yeah, you, Peter Jackson was associated with like bringing Halo to the big screen, and then that stalled, and that's not happening. I,
1: you know, and and I said this years ago on on the old iteration of the podcast. I think the problem with video games being brought to the big screen is that games are a different media. You're playing as that character, and and you have some. Commitments and emotional attachments, and, and going through this journey in a more visceral state. I think it's a little different when you're sitting back and watching it. I'd liken that to sitting on your couch for two hours and watching you play Assassin's Creed. So you don't have that type of, of emotional involvement. You're just watching these scenes pass by your eyes. That, that's my take on it, anyways, um, on why video games don't make successful movies. Well, also,
2: my spinoff is, yeah, it has to do with the experience. Like, yeah, you're totally enthralled when you've got the controller in your hand. Um, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I find it infinitely more interesting to actually be playing the game than watching someone else play. That's why it boggles my mind that Let's Play videos are such a huge thing, other than maybe the commentary may be funny and whatnot and all that. But if you're just plain watching someone do a playthrough of a game, if it's not solely to just see how how to beat a boss or or whatever and then if it's just from a purely visual entertainment standpoint i don't i don't get any rise out of that at all
1: yeah at the same time it's probably one of the most lucrative markets on youtube (laughs) we're doing the wrong thing steve let's 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 play videos we did that once we we played a street fighter 4 And people didn't give a fuck then, but apparently now that's how you get, you know, a million and a half views on YouTube in a matter of hours. We're fucking hipsters, man. We were ahead of our time. We were, absolutely. (laughs) We're older than (laughs) Spodcast. That's right. Back in the old days. But anyway.
2: Oh, yeah. Happy eighth anniversary, right? Smodco I've is um,
1: eight years. Founded eight years ago by the uh, smod father Kevin Smith. Yeah, and Scott Moser, the original Smodcast
2: podcast itself, and look where it is now. And look, we're we're riding on the coattails. We're somewhere in their mix too. That's the uh, but anyway that that's really really cool. So congrats to uh, the Smodco family for sticking around for eight years. Thanks to all you guys out there listening on all points all over the globe whether it uh, be uh, streaming on Stitcher or listening to us directly downloading or streaming on our SMODCO, uh, Smodco Internet Radio page on Smodcast.com or on iTunes where you can subscribe and just have it or your favorite iPod catcher, uh, iPod, sorry, your, your favorite uh, podcast catcher uh, to fill your phones or your tablets or your PCs with hours of pointless banter such as ours. Um Keeping that in mind, we've uh, got another episode under our belt, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 13, it's a wrap. So thank you so much to everyone in our chat room, which uh, we do stream live on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Shout-outs to DW, Robert J., Nick P., uh, Super Super Schmevon. Uh, and uh, my girlfriend right or wrong uh, also showed up a little while ago so thank you boys and girls for showing up to the show we'll do it again next time and until then this is Kyle Bear.
1: and this is other brother Steve see ya
2: Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Hey, Smodcast fans, it's Edumication Andy, here to tease your brain with the Edumication crossword. There's a new puzzle every day of the week, and it comes with two sets of clues. Hard clues for those who like a challenge, easy clues if you like a little help, and the solution is built right into the puzzle. You make it as easy or difficult as you want, and just like the Edumication podcast, it's fun, funny,
0: and free. And tell your friends, because when we hit 10,000 players, Kevin will start giving away prizes. Visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash education
2: and find